You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. Matt Levine, Lila Bromberg with you as basketball seems to be approaching March now in the middle of February. And the Maryland men's basketball team over the last week, tournament hopes have completely shifted from being on the back end of the bubble to now on the front end of the bubble inside the NCAA tournament, according to ESPN's Joe Lenardi. And Lila, those last three games, Maryland's won three three straight conference games now. They lost three straight this season, but they haven't been able to win those three games in a row yet, and they did that this week, putting them right back into the the talks of really making an NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, I mean, both Maryland basketball teams are just on a roll right now, and, you know, with the men, I mean, it wasn't just that they hadn't won three consecutive games, they hadn't even won two uh, consecutive conference games all season, and, you know, we knew that this stretch down the line would be easier, but I think you and I were talking about, I was talking about with some other people, it just seemed like they're going to lose one of these Nebraska games, you know, with having three games in four days with just in terms of a level of consistency of kind of something being a trap game. Um, Nebraska had um, kind of improved their, their play in recent games, but I mean, you really did see a shift. Like you said, I mean, they're on next four out uh, after their loss to Ohio state. They're now one of the last buys and, you know, with four games left, if they keep this up, I mean, they realistically have a chance to be in and not have to be as nervous on Selection Sunday. And it's, it's really the play for me, at least, looking at this team, aside from its defense, which has been phenomenal over the last couple of days, holding the last maybe eight games, average of about 59, 58 points per game allowed. Um, obviously, the second game against Nebraska, letting up a little bit more than that, but just the defense has been so good of late and it's the offensive play from Aaron Wiggins that has just become this new facet to Maryland's offense. And this is something I thought that would have happened last year for him as a sophomore, making the jump towards the NBA. Now I think he's really playing his way back into the conversation of potentially being a pro one day. And it's, it's always been his inconsistency. That's what it's been the last couple of months, but now he's as consistent as anybody in the nation and he's playing Right now in the stretch he's playing is an All-American. Obviously, look at the whole picture. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. That's a stretch. The stretch right now that he's on, he's playing as good as anybody. Has at least 17 That game where he couldn't make a shot from deep. I mean, I I get he's been great, but to say he's at an All-American level, that's that's a little much. I'm I'm telling you, he's carrying Maryland single-handedly into the tournament right now. Obviously, you have Ayala and Dante Scott contributing elsewhere. Just There's a lot more contributors, but... Wiggins right now, 17 points in eight straight home games, at least 17 points in eight straight home games. He has at least 17 points in seven of his last eight overall games as well. I mean, 20 over the last three is, you know, too. Yeah. He's doing this against obviously Nebraska twice, but you're looking at every other team that Maryland, Maryland's going up against big 10 teams that are making the NCAA tournament pretty much every night. And he struggled once against Penn state. That was probably the worst game of the season for him. He shot one of 11. And that was probably Maryland's worst game of the year as well. But when you looked at everything else, aside from Maryland's defense, he's really been a bright spot almost every game of late. Yeah, I mean, I think it's what you mentioned in terms of that consistency. Because I think even in games earlier this season when he's had high-scoring games, a lot of time the 
uh, field goal percentage hasn't been great. And um, it's been, you know, taking a lot of shots and not making a lot of them, but then, you know, making a bunch to score well. Um, and I think, you know, he's had some really good games. I think the thing for him is, you know, being able to consistently have um, a good field goal percentage. And you have seen that increase definitely in recent games, especially over the last three. You look at Minnesota, Nebraska, and Nebraska. He shot 46.2% in the first game, 53.3% in the second, and 50% uh, in the last one. And, you know, the first game against Minnesota was three for five from deep for 60%. He struggled in the next game. He was one for six. Um, and then, you know, on, t- on a Wednesday, he was four for nine. So you definitely are seeing an increase there. But I think it's also just this offense overall. I mean, Maryland through the first 13 games of conference play was averaging 62.9 points per game. Over the last three, they've averaged 71.7. Obviously, like you've mentioned, uh, you know, two of those games were against Nebraska, but I think they could have easily dropped one of those. And even if it's not, you know, the best teams, like they're not facing the best teams moving forward. You know, they have the schedule in their favor moving forward. So the fact that they're, you know, hitting the stride now is, you know, perfect because really they only have one big threat um, to end the season. And that one big threat's coming up this week on Sunday, but now Rutgers out of the AP poll this week. So all the games looking forward are against currently unranked opponents. It doesn't look like Michigan State, Northwestern, or Penn State will even get back into the poll, or for in, in Penn State's case, into the poll at all. Uh, those three teams. I mean, into the poll, like Michigan State probably won't make the tournament. Yeah, those, Michigan State and Northwestern seem to be on the biggest skid of anybody. Northwestern hasn't won a game since December 26th. So Michigan State was just overranked to start the season. They should have never been ranked to start the season after losing their two best players and relying on two guys who aren't consistent shooters. But yeah, <laughs> just saying it wasn't like that they did really well to start. They just shouldn't have been ranked. Yeah, they were preseason ranked. That was questionable now looking at it at the grand scheme of things. But when you look at the second game against Nebraska of the back-to-back, there was just so many different milestones that different players had. And you had a tying a career high from Aaron Wiggins with 22 points. Ayala set a new career high with 24. Morcel started in his 100th career game and scored his 1,000th career point. So he was the 19th player ever to start 100 games in Maryland history and the 56th player ever to score 1,000 points. I mean, these are three guys that have now contributed for three and four years that really are just – it seems like they're steering this team right now. Dante Scott was – towards the beginning and the middle of the season was, was the guy. And now it seems like the three guards have really taken control as they should as the veteran leaders. And they're steering this team towards the NCAA tournament. Right. And you mentioned milestones and the night before you had Jarius Hamilton tying a career high. You had Galen Smith with, you know, a career high in assists. Um, you, you know, you're right. Those, those guys have really found their own and, um, it's just great to see Daryl reach, uh, you know, those 1,000 points. I remember, you know, the first few games of his college career, getting the cover of those games, um, and just being able to kind of see him grow as a person and a player of these past four years kind of up close has, has been special to watch, and you just got to – you love seeing a moment for a guy like that that's just so selfless, is going to put his all every single time he steps on the floor on the defensive end. He's going to find the unselfish looks on offense and put the team before himself. I mean, Aaron Wiggins was saying that, you know, he looked up and saw that he had reached a thousand career points and, you know, said something to Daryl and, and Daryl didn't even care. He was like, let's get the win. 
And Aaron was like, yeah, we're going to get the win, but congrats. So, I mean, just a guy that really is the glue. I mean, we've always called him the glue of his team, but especially this year in terms of leadership, that stepped up a whole nother level. Yeah, and earlier in the year, Mark Turgeon said that he's grown as as more as he's grown more than anybody as a leader uh, than anyone else. Turgeon's coach, so that's that's some high praise considering Anthony Cowan was here for four years and he was such a leader in his senior year, especially. Um, but it seems like Morcel now really just he shut down Marcus Carr against Minnesota, who Marcus Carr will probably be an All American, definitely an All Big Ten player, and. It's it's his ability to just attack the best player on the opposite team that gives Maryland this momentum that allows them to go on runs. It seems like he's always doing something right. And he does turn the ball over sometimes. Obviously, he's making mistakes sometimes. But even when he's missing shots and things like that, he's always getting back on defense to try and get the ball right back and give his team another possession. And there's really nothing else you, more you can ask for out of him from having this great career now, being a winner. And now when, it, when they need it most, really, um, they lose two straight to Penn State and then Ohio State. And nobody knew where they were going to go from there, being on the back end of the NCAA tournament bubble. And now they won three in a row. So their chances are looking a lot better because of the play from those three guys that we keep mentioning. Right. And I think, you know, Darren Morsell has been really good defensively throughout his career, but you're right. It has stepped up another level this year and he absolutely deserves to be on the all big 10 defensive team. Um, I think it would be a complete snub if he wasn't. Um, but I think it goes beyond what you said of terms of on the court, um, because when you're having a season, especially one like this, where you've COVID going on and you have a team, I mean, Trojan, the guys have talked about, it. like, it's no fun having a losing record in big 10 play and, and going up against this gauntlet of teams every night and having such a new makeup. And he's really been the guy who's always positive, is always going to lift people up no matter how bad of a game they have. He's, you know, talking to us on media and he's still, you know, talking and open and um, it's going to be completely honest. And um, I think this team needs that. You know, he's someone that is going to just joke around and lift people up and, um, you know, provide leadership to the guys and, you know, remind everyone to stay on track when it's so hard to kind of spiral in a season like this. And besides those guys, I mean, you look at the role players kind of off the bench and we saw Galen Smith's best performance uh, against Minnesota and then just comes out kind of flat offensively against Nebraska twice, but he's still getting rebounds. He's still contributing elsewhere. Uh, Dante Scott only, he didn't score in the first half, the second game against Nebraska, but he had seven rebounds in the first half. So just, and he, he finished with a complete game on, on Wednesday. And just the ability of when Ayala and Wiggins are scoring like crazy, like they did on Wednesday, uh, the, the ability of other guys to step up has been impressive over the last couple of games rebounding the ball, passing the ball, finding the open guy. This team looks so selfish early on in Big Ten play. Just the ball was stagnant, not moving around, and now it seems like they're passing the ball as best as they have all year, and that's finding the guys who need to score the ball. That's, that's getting them open and giving them great looks, and obviously getting good looks isn't all you need. you got to hit those shots, and they've really started to hit those shots because there were stretches over the last – maybe two weeks ago where they were just, they would not score for three, four minutes. And that I mean, all season, 
all season yeah. pretty much until now. <laughs> and then the last three games, I, I know I can for sure point to a time against Minnesota late in the second half when Minnesota cut it back to six. It was like two minutes that Maryland didn't score, but that was the only time all game that they had a big stretch of not scoring. And that's how you win. You've got to keep scoring the ball. So it starts with their offense. Now it looks really good, just passing the ball, moving a lot, whereas before it was really selfish. Guys just kind of holding the ball, trying to get a shot for themselves. And it's completely shifted over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I've said from the start that I thought that was kind of something that the team needed to improve on. Um, I think it's a key, you know, not necessarily, obviously the key to this team's success is, de- is defense. But in terms of getting things going on the offensive end, when you don't have like an All-American like Iota Sumu or uh, Luca Garza, or just one of these guys, like you need to have ball move to five to allow guys to find their shot because there aren't a lot of guys on this team that can kind of just go and get their own shot. Um, you know, they can at times, but not usually from the jump, you know, they, they need to be set up and then do that. So I think that's been really huge for this team in recent games and um, ha- has worked out really well from them. And you're right, you know, they finally started hitting some shots and, you know, we'll see if that consistency can carry over. I think shooting, has so much to do with confidence. And, you know, I think this confidence that they've gained with these three wins, you know, really is going to pay dividends and start showing in terms of continuing to shoot the ball well. And when you talk about Jarius Hamilton off the bench, another role player that Maryland kind of needed to step up over, over the last couple of games, and he has. But when you look at his stats at the beginning of the season, they look so much better than they did over the stretch from about – maybe the Indiana game where he was averaging 8.4 points per game. And you look at the Minnesota game going into that, he's averaging 6.4. So that's kind of like a month and a half of, from January 4th to February 14th. I mean, it's even worse in conference play. I don't, you know, his stats and co- I mean that, cause that's including non-conference. I mean, if you include in conference, he's barely was doing anything, you know? Yeah. And, and as the overall points per game, that drops two points in that stretch. And that kind of was a big factor of Maryland not producing off the bench. It was just heavily on Wiggins, Ayala, and Dante Scott, and more so whoever it was on any night. But now they have that option to really get the ball to Hamilton over the last two games. His minutes have gone up. His shooting has looked a lot better. He scored 15, which tied his season high. He had that against Michigan as well on December 31st. Scored 15 in the first game against Nebraska, had five rebounds. Then he follows it up with 13 points the next night. So he's provided this spark off the bench that that's energy that you can thrive off of offensively. And that opens up another new facet when he can shoot the ball from the outside and stretch the floor. Defenses can't just ignore him. And defenses were able to ignore him because he was so cold shooting the ball over the last month and a half. But now he's starting to heat up, and that gives other guys open looks. That opens the floor so much more for this team, and that's really helpful. And if he continues this going forward, Maryland has a good chance to continue this run that they're on with the weaker opponents ahead. Right, and I, and I think, you know, we mentioned Jarius Hamilton. I think Galen Smith as well. I was really impressed with his passing performance and, and his, you know, obviously they're not facing as dominant bigs now, but just kind of his performance um, that he's had down low, Uh, It seems like he's kind of holding his own a bit more there. And, you know, against Minnesota, he had a career high four assists. And, you know, he had some really good outlet passes. He had won the Aaron where he found Aaron wide open beyond the arc. And it just seems like his vision and kind of just awareness. Like it seems like his 
uh, game IQ has gone up as he's now gotten used to playing in a conference like the Big Ten. Because, you know, it's very different than, you know, the SEC in terms of size and in terms of kind of the play down low. Oh, that, that sort of thing, the competition. So you can kind of see him starting to find a bit of a rhythm. Um, you know, he's never going to be a huge difference maker for this team. But if he can at least find that a little bit, I mean, that's good for Maryland. Um, but he didn't play that much against Nebraska in that last game. Um, and, you know, the game before that, uh, he didn't play as many minutes in that one, too. He kind of ended up dropping off. So, I mean, he's someone that they need more consistency from as well. Um, and if they can have consistency from at least one of them on any given night, I, I think that's really good for Maryland. Oh, 100%. And when you have – it's the same thing. When you have Hamilton shooting the ball from the outside, that opens up everybody else and everybody else's ability to score. And when you have the inside game of Galen Smith opening up, that leaves shooters wide open around the perimeter. And that's really what happened against Minnesota. He had his best game. And a lot of that has to do with – Liam Robbins, the seven-footer from Minnesota, going out early with two fouls. And usually it's, it's Galen Smith getting into foul trouble, but in this game it was Robbins, and he basically took Robbins out of the game in the first half. I think Robbins only played seven or eight minutes in that first half. And that gave Galen Smith the ability to pound the inside. It gave Maryland the ability to pound the inside. No seven-footer in there, a six-nine center for Maryland, who they're not used to having. They always have big guys down low, not this season. And they were able to go to him in the low post on the low block, and he was able to do some things with the ball and score it. And when that happens, Maryland's offense is dynamic, which you see from Illinois. I don't know if dynamic. I, I wouldn't okay, go as far. I would not go anywhere close to, as far as dynamic. It's it's I'll say it's, it's more a, like more competitive offense. I would I would not go as far as dynamic. It's definitely more dynamic in the sense that you have an option to go down low because they really never right, have. I'm just saying in comparison to who they're playing like and who's in the Big Ten and around the country, I wouldn't say dynamic. It's dynamic in a sense of their own offense. Okay, in a sense um, of their own offense, yes. Make, but it's obviously not as good as Illinois or Iowa's or anything like that, but it, it's in a sense for their own right a chance to open up the floor more with a guy down low, and they really have never had that. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows to pressure the shooters when you're playing Maryland because they can't get the ball down low necessarily as good as anybody else. Um, and, and against Minnesota, that was a different, completely different case for Galen Smith. But what's interesting now, after, those, after that game, two games against Nebraska, he plays a combined 22 minutes. He played in 22 minutes against Minnesota. Two games following, combined 22 minutes in those two games. And he only scored two points combined. So I'm interesting. I'm interested in what the kind of the why he fell off in those two games. Why he didn't get in as much? Was it just Wiggins and Ayala were, were really shooting the ball well? They didn't. I, I, I'm I'm just curious why Galen Smith wasn't in these last two games as much as he was against Minnesota. And he was he played in his best game in a Maryland uniform against Minnesota. Curious to see why he didn't get as many minutes in the two games following. I mean, I think a big part of it against the second Nebraska game is just in terms of rebounding. He wasn't kind of contributing, and that's your biggest role down low, and he wasn't really filling that role. And I think that that was a big factor there. Um, but, I mean, maybe that would have been better if he had more time. Um, I think that's something he really needs to improve on is his rebounding. You know, as that presence down low, that's something that he really needs to improve on as, as the season goes forward. I think that'll make a big difference for this team 
Um, but I mean, just kind of as we look towards the future, I mean, we're talking about the NCAA tournament and the other possibilities for this team. I mean, I think the, like we mentioned at the start, the expectations have completely shifted. I mean, I wouldn't say completely shifted. I don't, I still don't expect them to win a game in the NCAA tournament, maybe a game in the big 10, but given kind of Maryland's history in the tournament, I don't really know about that, but it does look like they will make the NCAA tournament. Now, just what are your thoughts on kind of just the jump they've made? Cause they fell as low as next four out. They've now have, they haven't been projected this high in the NCAA tournament all season, and uh, it just seems like the momentum is going in the right direction for them. Well, a lot of what has to do with the tournament is recency bias, in my opinion. Whichever team is doing well at that time will get in. So if Maryland – like, Well, and also they're in the Big Ten. If they have this record in any other conference, they wouldn't get in. Yeah. I mean, right now, 7-9, and nine, which was 4-9, and nine, almost before Sunday's game. So – Three wins in four days is tremendous, and you can't ask for anything more than that. Right now, they need to win games against these weaker teams. That was the bottom line. And they have already four four ranked wins. They have three of those on the road. Their resume is fine. Their resume was never the issue. The issue is their record. And they're starting to win games at home now. They're starting to win in a row, and they're getting hot at the right time. I think this is the perfect recipe for – closing out the season if they can continue this momentum against Rutgers, Michigan State, Northwestern, and Penn State. If they lose one of those, I think they're still in. Uh, but if they go three and two, it's going to be a lot harder because they'll be under 500 still. And then they're going to have to probably win a Big Ten tournament game, which right now they would be the nine seed going up against the eight seed Indiana in the first or in the second round. So they'd have a first round bye technically. But I think winning four of the next five games to close out would be extremely helpful to a tournament bid, and they probably would have room to lose in the Big Ten tournament in the first round. I mean, their toughest game right now is this next game against Rutgers. I think if they win that game on the road, they you know, are in. Um, regardless of – I mean, you would have to you know, win those at least – one or two of those next few games. But I think this next game is like a game where I think a lot of these other games, if you lose, it's, it's a bad sign and you're kind of a bit more unsure of things. Like you could probably get in, but you're a bit more on edge. Um, this Rutgers game is a game that it's not going to really hurt them if they lose, but if they win, that's a huge boost. Um, you know, given that Rutgers was a team ranked earlier of a season, um, it's a team left that, you know, has the highest net ranking of, you know, any team that, uh, they are facing for the rest of the season. Um, but, you know, Rutgers is a tough place to play in, and it kind of reminds me of, like, last year, them going on the road to Rutgers for, you know, such a season-defining game. Um, you know, and then they couldn't get that, but it was almost better because they were able to come home and win the uh, Big Ten title at home on, on the last game of the season. It was a great – but th- this is going to be a tough game. I mean, even without fans, Rutgers is a tough place to play. Um, but – Kind of before we get into that, just what are your thoughts on the Big Ten right now uh, in terms of other teams? We know that Maryland is now in ninth place uh, with only minute with Minnesota, Michigan State, Penn State, Northwestern, and Nebraska all below them. But in terms of towards the top, I mean, what are you feeling right now uh, in terms of kind of, you know, who you think the top five teams are? Not, you know, based on rankings necessarily, but maybe just kind of how you're feeling in terms of who, who can go the farthest, farthest in March? 
And again, I think with recency bias, it's right now for me, Illinois is the best team in the conference. You have Ayo Sumu playing like this literally – I think he's the best guard in the country and it's not even close. I don't care who wants to argue with me. Maybe Jared Butler is better, but Ayo Sumu, his ability to just take over when it, – it's, it's just I, – I literally don't – It's understand. insane. It's, it's like an unconscious thing. Like he just gets the ball and just – against uh, Northwestern the other night, Illinois was – for some reason, Northwestern was in that game late. I don't know how. But Illinois just comes out. Ayo Desumu at the end, I think he had two or three crazy long three-pointers, and that gave Illinois a huge lead. And uh, he did a similar thing against Nebraska. I mean, yeah, I think he scored, like, all of their points in overtime, maybe of a seven. I think he scored point seven last goal. minutes or something like that. Yeah. His, I think his ability to do that, and when you have him cooking like that, you have Kofi Coburn down low, just Adam Miller can shoot, Andre Curbelo can pass. DeMonte Williams is the best uh, three-point percentage in the conference. I think he has in the country as well. And it's it's just so impressive for them. They struggled. Uh, they were up and down, inconsistent. But they still only have three conference losses, which is less than Ohio State, less than anybody else other than Michigan. And Michigan so, but are you, higher on, are you saying you're higher on them than Michigan right now? I'm higher on Illinois than Michigan right now because Michigan, although they had to shut down, they come back and they – we're able to come back in the game against Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin's that good, to be honest. But I think Wisconsin, with their veteran leadership and everything, has the chance to go far in the tournament. But when you're talking regular season, I don't see them as a threat to win the title. I mean, I don't think they will at all. And they don't. I mean, I think we already know Michigan's going to win it. I mean, I mean, unless like they lose their next four games and Illinois wins all of their next four. Or sorry, my mistake. I was looking at regular season records, but I mean, still, I mean, that's, that's I think, a bit different, Sarah. I don't know if that's possible I think for Illinois telling, to jump up. I think we'll be, what will be very telling is this weekend's game, Michigan and Ohio State. Three I'm, I'm so excited for this game. I, I, I'm so excited for this game. That usually as a football matchup is the craziest game of the year. But now in basketball, it might be the best game of the year. Um, and we thought Illinois and Iowa a couple weeks ago was the best game of the year in the, in the entire country, not just the Big Ten. I'm talking the best games of the year in the nation. Michigan and Ohio State this weekend could be the best that we might see. And it, I hope it lives up to the hype, and I hope that it's, it's a competitive game, and it probably will be because Michigan playing Nebraska at this point, I don't know, maybe Nebraska would compete with them. It's just no, every- they will. Oh, come on. What are you saying, Matt? Come on. You well, said like every There's a close game. You're in Maryland up by 20 on Wednesday, and all of a sudden it's a nine-point victory. So just like the ability yeah, – That's Maryland. That's not Michigan. <laughs> all right. The concept of the, the Big Ten teams always playing tight games. And I think Illinois has Except the best – Except for Michigan. That's what separates them. Well, I don't think that – I think they have this too small of a sample size to tell me that they are legit. Um, and I think they'll be a one seed. I think Ohio State will be a one seed. It, maybe if Illinois wins out, they'll be the one seed. Ohio State will be a two in the NCAA tournament. It also depends on the Big Ten tournament. If any of the team get, if any of these three teams get upset by Maryland or Michigan State or whoever, which is a, a big ask, of course. But if any of those teams get upset, I think that changes a lot in the NCAA tournament as far as the top three seeds are concerned. But when you're talking I mean, about right now you have Houston and Virginia 
and Alabama, like below them and in the top 25, like I don't see any of those teams being a one seed. Yeah. I think when you're talking about the top four seeds in the tournament, Michigan and somebody else in the Big Ten will be a one. Someone, probably Illinois will be the two, and Iowa would be a three seed. Wisconsin, I don't know. Depends how they do in the Big Ten tournament, because right now they're nine and six in the conference. I know Iowa's nine and five, but they have the player of the year. So I don't see Iowa going far at all, if I'm being honest. Their defense is ter- terrible. Yeah, you can't go far in the tournament. A lot of flaws in it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if you have a nation's leading score. Like, if you, you can't defend on the biggest stage, like, you're not going to go anywhere. I think another argument to be brought up would be, is it time to say that Ayo DeSumo is the Big Ten Player of the Year and not Luca Garza? I think he is. I mean, I, I'd need to go back and look at the stats, but I've been more impressed by him. I think their team is performing better. I don't think Iowa's performing up to expectations. And I also think that Ayo DeSumo is such a better defensive player than Luca Garza is. I think Iowa should win. He was my prediction for Big, uh, Big Ten Defense Player of the Year before the year started. I'm not sure if he will win. He should. I feel like Daryl should win that, but. <laughs> um, I think that there can be a clear cut argument to why DeSumo should be the Big Ten Player of the Year and not Garza, but it will never happen. Nobody's ready to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but I think. And I don't think there's any way that he's National Player of the Year at this point. I really don't. Luca Garza? Yeah, he's everyone's like, you know, he's going to be that guy. I don't do I mean, yes, he's to? had an incredible season, but I don't I don't necessarily think that like it's been as crazy as ever, everyone thought it would be. So, who do you think could win National Player of the Year over Garza? So, I think that Jared Butler is a really good contender for that. I mean, Baylor looks incredible. He's averaging 17.1 points per game, 5.4 assists, 3.2 rebounds. I mean, he's shooting 50.3% from the floor, 49.4 from deep. Uh, I think, you know, Gonzaga has a lot of, you know, guys that could do it. I mean, you've got Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert. They, they've all played so well this season. I mean, really, I think, you know, they all just are so good. I, I would probably lean more towards uh, Kispert or uh, Timmy. I mean, Timmy's averaging 18.5 points, 6.9 rebounds, 2.1 assists, and he's, you know, shooting 61.2% from the floor. Uh, You know, he's on a much better team than, you know, Iowa. I think what kind of goes into this is like the national player of the year needs to be on a really good team. Um, At least I believe it should. And I think, you know, Luca Garza is definitely still up there. But I don't think it's, like, as locked in as everyone just, like, assumed it would be going into the season. And I do think that Io really is – makes a case for National Player of the Year. Um, you know, 21.7 points per game, 6.3 rebounds, 4.9 assists, shooting 49% from the field. I mean, I don't think he's realistically going to win that. But these are all guys that are up there, and it's definitely not a lock for Luca Garza anymore. Yes, he's, you know – playing great and all of that but I think just in terms of team success um I I don't know if he still has that locked up and especially from a defensive standpoint as well I think I don't know because I feel like last year Obi Toppin was the clear and he isn't even on a power five team at Dayton yeah but Dayton was going to be a one or two seed yeah Dayton was I think Iowa has a chance to get I mean right now they're three they have a chance to become a two if they can if they win out. 
And Dayton was a one, I believe, though. No, nah, Dayton was no chance. Dayton would have been a one. I don't think. I thought they were up there for a one. They were close. They would have been a, probably a two. Um, I know Maryland and Dayton were competing for that at one point. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it ended up that way. But I mean, Dayton. If we're talking about Dayton, we just have to give a shout out to Brandon Simberg. Yeah. Just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's another. That, that's a completely different thing. But I, I think, I think there's just still a chance Iowa can turn this thing around. I mean, they've been without C.J. Frederick a little bit. They haven't been able to win without him, and that obviously takes away a little bit from Garza. But talking about it overall, I think as a team. They need that X factor. Um, and when he comes back, we can see they won two straight now. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think this Big Ten season has been arguably the toughest conference ever um, in college basketball. I don't know if I would say ever, but it's definitely yeah, been I tough. I that um, Dan likes to argue when he was coaching in it that it was the hardest. But right now, I think it could be. I don't take anything Dan Dockage says seriously um if I'm being honest with you um I mean we'll we'll transition into women's basketball in a second but if you guys you know want to hear more about uh, the NCAA tournament you know where things stand in terms of brackets our thoughts from you know around college basketball we're going to be bringing back the podcast that we started last year last year it was the road to Atlanta with having the NCAA tournament supposed to be in Atlanta so we're going to bring back another uh, mini series leading up to uh, the NCAA tournament. We're going to bring back in Brandon. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to get back to some banter, play some, you know, fun games and it'll be a lot of fun. So make sure you guys are on the lookout for that. But just moving into women's basketball, Matt, I mean, this, this team is ridiculous. <laughs> like it, it's not even fair how good this team is. I think Brenda freeze has to be a finalist right now. She's like, I don't even know. I think it's top top 15. 15 for the coach of the year in the nation, I think she's got to be top three at least. Uh, obviously. Right, because she, she is like a brand-new roster. <laughs> yeah, when you break it down, she has five starters depart. Um, now, five different new starters are all averaging in double figures. They have the best offense in the country, averaging over 92 points per game. They're running the table in the Big Ten, aside from their one loss against Ohio State, which – they ended up losing by two uh, on the road, and that was a tough game. But there's, this team is just with your, the number two overall recruit getting hurt in the first home game of the year. I think it was the fourth game of the season. Angel Reese goes, goes down. That was supposed to be a key player for Maryland this year, and Brenda Freitz hasn't had her for pretty much all season. But what is that? It doesn't matter to her. Her culture that she's built here creates winning winners and a winning team every year right and and she just reached 500 wins which which is incredible the most for any coach in maryland men's or women's basketball history the second of any coach in school history just behind missy maharg when you're looking at all sports i mean she's just been so incredible and she's still so young i mean you could see her going depending on how long she plays i mean she could you know get close to almost like a thousand like I mean, she's just so good, and she has so much of her career left. And, you know, for her to reach that in, in just 19 seasons, absolutely ridiculous. Um, and it was just so special to see her reach that point um, with the team's win over Nebraska, see the entire team, you know, surround her and, uh, 
you know, just to kind of see that love and how happy everyone was, the love pouring in from across the nation. It's just incredible to see like what she does with these teams. Like you said, the culture that she creates and, um, you know, she's just such an incredible coach. I think she could be every year. I mean, she seems like she's one of the best coaches in the country every season. And right now this team has shocked me in terms of its turnover when you have five starters leave, the recipe looks like you're gonna you're gonna fail, and that's they've done the exact opposite. See, I thought they would be good, but I didn't think they'd be this good. This is as good as I've seen them since I I've gotten here. And so you, you think better than last year, then? I think this team is better than last year, with Angel Reese healthy. I mean, I'll be honest. I think that Katie Benson is more of a reliable shooter than um, Taylor Mikesell. I think, honestly, she's a better fit um, in terms of being a bit more of a passer, um, in terms of I th- she's a much more accurate shooter. Um, I think she's a much quicker release, which which is really good for this team. Um, and, you know, she's someone that, I mean, she can just get it up so quickly, and she's able to do it just over such tall people. And then you look at someone like Chloe Bibby, who has just come in and brought, you know, a winning mentality, been, you know, really great on the defensive boards. You know, she can go off at times too. and you mentioned them having the best scoring offense in the country. They're averaging 92.4 points per game. The next team was 87.4. I mean, that's a, that's a big difference when you're looking at every team across the country. And you look at the net rankings, they're fifth behind Stanford, UConn, uh, South Carolina, uh, and Baylor. You know, they're, they're up there. Um, and seventh in assists, tenth in field goal percentage, fourth in three-point percentage, second in assists to turnover ratio six and three throw percentage like it's just they're so dominant and they've completely rolled the table in recent games and they've just looked at a complete ever since that loss to Ohio State like they were good before then but in terms of their dominance it's just stepped up a whole nother level you're seeing them play much more complete games which is something that Brendan and them were striving for all season um, and just the passing and players on this team I mean Ashley Wusu just some of the passes she has, the plays she can make. It's just, it's magic watching her. It really is. Um, and this team, and you mentioned having Angel Reese out. She's expected to be back within a few weeks. She's been warming up with the team before games. We were covering the men's game last night. She must have been there with Diamond Miller. They were there for like over two hours shooting. They probably shot for an hour, then were just kind of chilling, taking a break, talking, and then they went right back to shooting. Um, they were joking they weren't supposed to be in there, but they just really wanted to get shots up. And it it seems like she's getting to that point where she's close to be ready to play. And I mean, you had Angel Reese to where this offense already is. And I don't know many teams in the country that can stop them. Definitely. There's not many. You can count them on one hand. I'll tell you that. Um, And the road ahead looks like home against Minnesota, who they already destroyed this year at Purdue, who they already beat up they beat up on them bad and then at northwestern number 21 ranked northwestern currently ranked 21st that's probably the biggest game that they need to win they i don't know if they're going to remake that ohio state postponed game um but that would be a home game against ohio state that would be a huge rematch for the resume as well and then home against penn state to close out the season before the big 10 tournament but they almost seem like a lock to run through the big 10 tournament and win that again um that'd be the sixth Big Ten tournament title for for this team since joining the conference in 2014. So they've only lost it once. 
that's, that's I'm gonna cool. make a I'm gonna make a prediction. Um, the national championship this year will be between UConn and Maryland. Just imagine how fun that would be. Just imagine Paige Beckers versus Ashley Owusu. Just imagine how much fun that would be. And then you've Angel Reese versus Paige Beckers, the number one and number two recruit in 2020 class. Like, that would just be the most fun matchup ever. Like, I legit think that could be the national championship. I think so, too. If, if, or, at least a, or at least a final four matchup, you know? Yeah, if, if Maryland's able to continue playing the way they are, they will become a one seed. Right now they're a two uh, in ESPN's latest prediction. But – I think they were the, I think they might have been the first two seed. They are the first or second two seed. So they're right on the cusp of becoming a one. They beat Northwestern. They're, I mean, I bet my life that they beat Minnesota, Purdue, and Penn State just because they have already, and it's been pretty easy for them. But Northwestern with Lindsey Pulliam and just a ton of players that last they, year they've dropped though. They've dropped. Yeah. I mean, last year with the same like pretty much the same core they tied Maryland for the regular season title so those, then they split in the regular season those were two great games so that's that's really the game they have to win um that they, they have to focus on that but it, it's day by day for them they don't really look too far ahead and I really think this team could win out run the table in the Big Ten tournament and become a one seed who do you think are their biggest threats in the in, nationwide like in the country and I just want to add before we go into that, like, I have loved having more women's basketball games on these national networks. I mean, you had the game, um, there's a game for, for UConn that I forget who were very playing, but it was like absolutely incredible. Um, you had one the other day uh, between Oregon and Stanford, or it was Oregon and another really top team. And just like, I think people really need to pay more attention to women's basketball. There are so many fun players to watch this year. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about Ashley Wusu and Paige Beckers. Like, those are men's and women's, two of my favorite basketball players to watch in college basketball. Like, the way they both play is magical. It's, it's just so beautiful to watch. Yeah, Paige Beckers is crazy good. So like, good. It's insane. She's already becoming one of the best freshman UConn's ever had. And when you look at their history in women's basketball. Like yeah. <laughs> Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart. That's Maya Moore. Like, that's literally crazy. Um, she'll be gone after three years. Whenever she can leave early, she'll be gone. Yeah. And then she'll be another great WNBA. She looks like she's going to be another great WNBA player. But when you're talking about the teams that can give Maryland trouble in the national tournament, I mean, they, they ran into the round of 32 two seasons ago against UCLA and lost. So, like, they, they need to get over the hump again. In the That's National a different Park. team, though. That's a different team. Yeah, of course. But I think UConn, South Carolina, Stanford, Baylor. You know what? Show me Oregon, too. Let's see Taylor Mikesell go up against their former team. That would be fun to watch. Um, and I think, I think Maryland beats Oregon easily. I don't know. And ranked number nine in the country, but they're so much better than that. Like, fit, I've watched yeah. a lot of women's college basketball this season, and, and I think they're better than that. Um, I think, the I, I think South Carolina would be fun. South Carolina-Maryland games are always fun. Yeah, and I think the one team in the Big Ten that could compete for the Big Ten title would be Indiana, ranked ninth in the net right now. Um, are you saying, like, in the conference tournament or, like, overall? Both. I think that'd be the only one that could give Maryland trouble in the conference tournament because they did play a tight game against them in college park earlier this season. Um, but 
Maryland does a good job of beating teams twice. So if they do match up in the finals, that's going to be a fun game to watch again. Yeah, I mean, also, like, Indiana has, you know, those two losses in conference play. Um, you know, they are, they are good, but I just think Maryland's on a roll right now. I think they're looking a lot better than when they last faced Indiana, honestly. Um, and, you know, yes, they're facing less competitive opponents, but even like that one game against Michigan State, Michigan State, you know, has really high net rating and, and it's really good going into that game and Maryland kind of dismantled them. And now they've uh, been kind of on a bit of a, a skid, but I just, I don't know. This team, like, throughout the season, it seemed like, okay, this is a team could really go far, and I feel like that's been really solidified for me in recent weeks. Yeah, I think they're looking as good as anybody right now. Um, and, and both Maryland men's and women's are on some winning streaks right now, looking to, at least for the women's side, looking to become a one seed in the tournament, and the men's side looking to get into the tournament and stay there. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an exciting few weeks for both of these teams. So make sure you're following along with all of our coverage at Testudo Times. And fall and spring sports are both about to start up. So make sure you're paying attention to our website as, you know, all of our Olympic coverage gets underway. We've got, you know, some great stuff coming for you. So make sure that you're following on our site. You're following us at Testudo Times. And thank you guys so much for joining us.